Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right. Good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So today, I'm excited because we're bringing on, as always, yet yeah, another new guest co-host. Uh, but this gentleman's got a bit of a passion project. And over the three plus years of us doing podcasting here, I love passion projects. And it's important to help remind people that we can make all the money in the world, but what are we doing to align that with some purpose along the way? So uh, let me cut to the chase here. We've got a new guest co-host tonight, and he's going to help define that a little bit more for you all, especially around a very common subject nowadays that has increased exponentially, which is eyesight. And we might discuss today a little bit more about why you know, your eyes actually may not be broken, and maybe you're not actually tied to an illness that a lot of us are just falling back on. So let me give you a quick more about this guy. Uh, he's a pretty passionate advocate, obviously, for eye health, uh, with a unique perspective, though. Um, we can reverse this, this, this scenario called myopia, aka nearsightedness, naturally, is part of his message. And uh, there's a billions of dollars of revolution, a uh, decade of research here. And uh, he's compiled enough peer-reviewed academic data here uh, with his hypothesis that we've been looking at it all wrong. Again, here, hint here, there's a $100 billion industry, people. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to bring this guy on, uh, Jake Steiner. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me on, Scott. I, I love I love the passion. I love the message. Uh, but let's let's quick catch the other rest of the uh, audience up here. How long has the passion been going on? When did you really kick this this off? Uh, almost two decades now. So wow. going on twenty years. That's commitment. I love that. Yeah, and it's mostly just, uh, I, it wasn't intentional. I just started out as a little side hobby and then more people got involved and people keep asking questions and it's mostly been growing based on other people being curious or optometrists hating on me and saying terrible things and then it's just frustration that keeps me going. Uh, but, well, I guess, I guess it, and nowadays, if you can find any excuse to keep going on a positive project, we can use that one too, right? So... Yeah, for sure. And it is super positive. And especially now, like us having this conversation and the internet becoming what it is, it's, I think, a huge opportunity for all of us to learn more about things that are outside of the kind of corporate message. Yeah. And, and obviously, you got a personal touch on this story, too, not just because of the fact that you've been going at it for 20 years, uh, but obviously, you had yourself your own vision impact here that obviously impacted your professional lifestyle, correct? Yeah, I used to have minus five diopter high myopia. And for people that are not familiar with the numbers, that's basically my glasses were super thick. And if I put my glasses down and I would forget where they were, I'd never find them again. Wow. So that was my personal starting point. That's pretty bad. I, I mean, I, I thought I was complaining when I had my, I had surgery, let the LASIK surgery done because I couldn't see far away. I could see fine up front. Uh, and to this day, I still do. Even though they said, hey, man, once you turn 40, FYI, you're going to fall, fall prey to the common, you know, reading, not being able to read things, having to get reading, reading glasses, et cetera. And now granted, I just turned 42 and I haven't seen a blip on the radar yet. So what are your thoughts on all this type of stuff? Um, what you're talking about is presbyopia. The okay. lens hardens in the front of your eye as we get older. That is true for a change. Um, that does happen. And your close-up vision starts to be less clear at some point, potentially, 
because that lens just hardens as you get older and there's a circular muscle around this focusing lens mm -hmm. and it can't shape the lens quite as aggressively anymore. So you lose some of your close-up vision. But the idea that that starts at 40 and the idea that you will need glasses for that is wishful thinking on part of the industry. Hmm. Like, I'm getting closer to 50 and I don't need them. And most people I don't, I know that that are also working on the eyesight and they're active involved in the eyesight never need reading glasses. Well, it's, it's interesting because I've, I forget how long ago, probably almost six months ago, I had somebody on this show and then I, they said, oh, you got to go listen to this other episode on some other show. And I went and listened to that podcast. And I don't know if it was you or was connecting on this subject, but I remember somebody talking like, oh man, dude, I learned all, there's all kinds of eye exercises that, that could help literally strengthen your eye like a muscle. And I said, huh. Now, I wonder if this is going to be something a little bit about what Jake and I are going to talk about tonight. Or what are your thoughts on the eye exercises? Um, the reality, I think, is while some of that may have some benefit in a practical sense, it's not very applicable because most mm -hmm. of your eyesight-related issues or benefits are based on habits, right? Like, for example, a real bad habit is looking at your screen for five hours or watching Netflix at, like, mm -hmm. iPad distance, I'm you know, you. for a weekend. Like those are the problems and an exercise is like, it's meant to fix a thing that you shouldn't really be doing in the first place. So I'm not ah. a huge eye exercise fan. Okay. Oh, I like you very well here. So you're saying, wait a minute, you guys are trying to strengthen something because you're doing something else wrong. Whereas a lot Correct. of people say, oh, you have a weakness in this area. You should go exercise it to make you stronger in that area. What you're saying is actually we should be talking about just avoiding everything that's triggering that to begin with. Correct. Yeah, there is no weakness. There's mm -hmm. absolutely no weakness. The only thing that goes on with our eyesight is strain. So it's the opposite of weakness. The muscle, that focusing muscle we just kind of touched on, yeah. is tight when you're looking at your iPad or your phone. Like it's, it's shaping the, the, the lens in your eye for close-up. Okay. And all that ongoing tightening of that muscle that's not really as intended by nature is causing strain and is causing a spasm, which is causing the beginning of myopia. So when people talk about the eye being weak, it's actually the opposite is we're overstraining the eye by continually looking at screens and books and stuff all day long. Now that strain that you're talking about obviously then gets what I'm hearing locked in, right? Like kind of locked in and, and becomes a long-term imp impairment really, right? You basically say you basically yeah. overworked it so much that it, it reached yeah, the point of exhaustion. Yeah, that's, that's basically true. So yeah. the, the muscle, the, the muscle is called, I mean, the, um, the muscle is called ciliary muscle. It's a focusing muscle, right? You have the lens in your eye and the lens reshapes kind of like a camera lens, but it's a flexible lens and the muscle tightens as you look at something up closer. The whole thing is designed to be fluidly in motion most of the time. Like if you think of a natural environment, you look at something up close, but you're not staring at it at that exact distance for hours and hours. Okay. So what happens that muscle not being used as intended, right? Like it's just fixed in this one strenuous spot. Doesn't completely relax when you, like when you spent four hours looking at Netflix and then you immediately try to read something in a distance, that muscle doesn't go all the way back into a fully relaxed position. And now that lockup is what causes your initial myopia. This is pretty wild. I mean, 
you've, you've become quite knowledgeable, it seems, on this condition over 20 years. I mean, granted, 20 years, it helps you put in the reps, so to speak. Uh, but again, like you didn't plan on becoming an eye guru, right? Like this was all not just triggered from your own personal impairment, but, uh, and obviously the, the comeback from it, but it's, you, you come from the stock world, right? You're in the finance. Yeah. World. Stock, stock trading in general and investing in businesses. So right. my, my forte is analyzing problems and figuring out what is the baseline condition of something like what is going on basically. Like okay. the only way I can make money is if I understand what's going on, why it is what it is and what will happen in the future most likely about it. Hmm. And for eyesight, this was just a question of, I started reading biology books because back when I started, there was really no Google scholar or internet the way we have today. So it was literally just reading, how does this thing work? Yeah. Cause when I went to an optometrist and said, Hey, why are my eyes so bad? And people would say genetic condition. Like I only took biology in school, but, I'm like, genetics don't suddenly freakishly mutate like this on a global scale in a matter of decades. So I started doing research and I started finding all this biology stuff that didn't align at all with what the people who were selling me lenses were saying. Now, so obviously, would, would you say like the big flip of the switch? Because I, I geek out of these things. When I see somebody just go completely off their normal path and get really passionate about a subject, uh, it, it's one of two things. It's, uh, it just seems this way anyway. It's a personal commitment. It's like, you know what, this is impacting my life directly. And then there, it becomes a bigger legacy mission. And then there's other, or it's like, you know, family or somebody close to you may have triggered it as well. Um, uh, so what I'm hearing here is, is, was it purely pretty much like, man, I don't understand why the heck I went down this path and why I'm where I am. And I got to figure this out. And then once you figured it out, you're like, okay, I got to tell a lot of people about it. <laughs> Well, the, there's, there's two pieces and that's a really good analysis. Actually, that's people don't really think about that, but I yeah, a, I got a strange so, brain. <laughs> yeah. In my teens, I was, I was a very active swimmer. Um, I was in the German national championships. I loved swimming and my vision was getting worse to the point where it was really, really difficult to go to swim competitions because I just couldn't see anything. Right. Mm. And back then, like the goggles with the built-in correction weren't really popular at all. I also played water polo and that got killed because the ball just slowly kept turning into this yellow. Oh, yeah. Mush. It should be like a blur, right? right? Yeah. So I, I, it, it killed my whole, like a lot of, I, I was on the rowing team. I did a lot of stuff that I really enjoyed that slowly got kind of taken away from me by the glasses. Mm. And then later on when I got to minus five doctors and I was, single guy and you know a little bit of vanity like behind high adopter glasses your eyeballs look really small so i had these little piggly eyes behind these thick glasses hmm. and then one day i went to the optometrist and they said i need even stronger glasses and i finally hit that point where i'm like i'm not i'm I mean, not you're, you're rocking coke bottle and they, they i used, i've heard it in the united states they say oh it's coke bottle glasses right like they're super thick that's that's what i'm picturing right yeah. now yeah like the bottles yeah, of coke that, bottle that's what it was. And it was just terrible. And then if we fast forward a little bit, as I, as I went on this journey and I discovered this and I started improving my eyesight and I was really excited and I would start having conversations with optometrists. I traveled a lot all over the world and right. I try to get lower correction glasses. I'd go into optometrist shops I tell them what I'm doing. And what sparked this whole thing wasn't really that I started figuring out how to improve my eyesight because that would have still been a personal journey. It was the incredibly arrogant and dismissive and 
shut up, you don't have a degree in this attitude I was getting that created this, this anger, right? Like they took away my eyesight and now they're refusing to look at the evidence or the fact that I was sitting in front of them wearing half the strength of correction and seeing 2020. That anger really created a lot of this because it's probably not coming from the right place, but it was just like, okay, you guys are actively promoting a falsehood that affected all of my youth. Right. And you're continuing to propagate this worldwide. And I'm not, uh, for some reason that just. I see that would frustrate me too, because I've become that way. I'm very similar because as you and I are talking about this, I'm thinking back, I hated, I hated wearing glasses as a kid. Uh, And then I I hated uh, having to wear contacts. And then uh, when I left the corporate space for a couple of years and I became a, a wilderness, you know, firefighter out West, the Western U.S., I was worried about melting the contacts to my eyes in case a wildfire in the woods like flared up. So I went, that's why I decided to commit. And I said, Hey, I'm going to go spend $3,000 us. I'm not buying this, you know, cheap $500 per eye program. And I got LASIK surgery. Now granted, thanks to the LASIK, according to the testing, I came out with like fighter pilot vision. It was like 2010. Um, so I was never anywhere near that before. Now back to your point though, did I even really even need it? Right? So uh, it's frustrating because now you got not just the glasses industry, the contacts industry, uh, the extra exams, the extra blah, blah, blah. Then, this, then there's the LASIK stuff. I was like, man, this is, a, this is a very large financial industry going on here. Yeah. And, and, and as a side note, I invest in that industry as well. Hmm. Because when I started doing this research and just because of what I do for a living, I realized that there's a huge upside. And I've actually made really good money on, on investing in lens stock and all the related industries. And there's a lot of excitement. If you read the industry inside news, for example, retinal detachment. Retinal detachment is when the retina in the back of your eye starts breaking up. Yeah. And that's, and that's what, what creates eyesight, right? That's where the light focuses in your eye. Like that is a terrible, if you don't immediately go for surgery, you can very likely lose your eyesight and it's permanent. Wow. And when you read the, the insider, the industry news, Right, because I invest in some of that that um, equipment as well, or companies that manufacture that. They are excited, right? Like it's breaking two billion dollars the surgical equipment to fix retinal detachment, and it's put spun as this incredibly positive thing. Mm. And as you look under the hood, it's just like, wow, this is a really not a great industry. Right? Yeah. So LASIK clearly, too, clearly by the way, LASIK your has- commitments. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, a little bit. But then LASIK also has very significant side effect risks. Like if you got away with it, perfect, right? Like good for you, but it's still, it's, it's not without risk to be doing LASIK at all. And like, you, like you're kind of guessing there that you don't need LASIK. Like it's yeah. not necessary. Yeah, and, and that's, that's the point, right? Is like back then I didn't know everything that I, I've been hearing now and learning now over the past few years of, of literally having a podcast show. Like I've had on a couple of different blue blocker glasser, glasses manufacturers and, you know, they're trying to do their part. Uh, I mean, maybe you could tie that together, but obviously I know the impacts of, I have three monitors in front of me here. It is currently almost 9 p.m. in my time here. So I said, all right, well, once I learned too much about, the impacts of blue light on, on your eye health. I said, like, let's block that off. So uh, I'm a big supporter of these because in the end, people are going to maybe work in the evenings, especially after sunset. I'm very big on our natural cycles, proper sleep habits. Um, I'm sure you could talk to all of that. Uh, what, are, what, are your, what are your thoughts? Do you, do you ever talk to people about the, the impacts of blue light as well? I really don't. And 
that's a, it's a valid topic. It's not my topic. Okay. I'm more of the, the guy who says, okay, for example, right? Like Coke, Coke's not good. Coca-Cola, right? Oh, Coca-Cola is yes. not good for you. No. But then they come up, Coca-Cola is not good for you, period. But for the maker of these products, that's not a valid option. So they say, we made Coke Zero, right? Yeah. Or we made low-fat pizza, or we made this, or we made that, when yeah. the product is the problem. And I'm the one, I, I say the screen is the problem, right? Blue light, certainly not a good thing, but altogether less screen would fix the, the issue more effectively than trying to find one part of what's not good about the screen and trying to eliminate that, which then makes people feel better. And they're like, if I throw on these glasses, I can watch Netflix for the next five hours. Oh, I, I, I thank you. Good point. I don't support right? that. I agree. I put them on just when I do this quick and then I'm, I'm unplugging all this gets shut down after you and I are done tonight. Uh, actually a great influencer that started awakening me to this is, are you familiar with, uh, I like to say the great Dr. Jack Cruz with a K? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he's, he's the one that said, listen, I mean, blue blockers aside, he said, cause I had him on video like you and I are doing now. And he said, listen, Scott, just so you know, like I'm slowly, you know, killing myself just doing this. He's like, he's like, and you are too. And I said, why do you say that? And he said, well, it's, this is beyond just the blue light. You know, he said, but you know, the fact is you have a lot of technology. You are overworking the eye. Uh, he's like, you're negatively impacting your cellular health down to the mitochondrial level and the mitochondria are the, you know, power plants of the, cells so again that's his that's his subject so there's so many different the good thing is this there's so many people who have picked a certain niche around eye health we all agree there's something wrong <laughs> so what, what is what is your pure uh message here like obviously i know you got a lot of tips that you you share to people as well but what what how do you differentiate yourself on your message so my main thing is the idea of wearing glasses glasses contact lenses lasik none of those things are necessary mm -hmm. and I'm a guy who works in front of a computer a lot, right? Like stock trading is not exactly screen unfriendly. That's true. I spend a lot of time, not cool, not great. And yet I've managed to get all the way back to 2020 eyesight just yeah. based on understanding how your eyes work, right? Like I'll work for three hours, I take an hour break, right? And you start to get a feeling for that muscle being locked up because if you can see a, a sign across the street clearly in the morning, Right. But then you come home from a long day at work and in a, in a real similar lighting at a similar distance, you can no longer read that sign. Mm. That's generally because that muscle's locked up. And if you build that awareness where you just start to notice what's impacting your eyesight and how, then you can start changing those things. Wow. Right? And yeah. then, these are simple things. Like I'm not selling any products because there are no products involved. Like there is no, there's no stuff to eye health, which is why it's not incredibly popular. And then the second part is the thing that makes your eyes worse are wearing, is wearing the glasses. Minus lenses cause more myopia. Mm -hmm. And for people who like to do research, scholar.google.com, of course, for all the clinical research papers, if you type in lens-induced myopia, meaning myopia caused by lenses, you're going to get 50,000 plus search results wow. only citing clinical studies. Wow. Right. Well, and you have a lot of that linked on your site too, correct? Because you have a science tab. I remember that. Yeah, a fair bit because there's such a, an, an amazing disconnect between and, and a, a, about my site and the blog. There's a lot of sarcasm and rants in there. I know. It's fun. I like it. 
people sometimes say I should have a more professional tone, but I usually no, write these that's, things. That, listen, I'm a, I'm a marketing and branding guy. This is how you differentiate yourself. You, you know, this is a serious subject, but you want to try and have some fun along the way. I like it. It's fun. When I genuinely write these things, when I'm feeling emotional about what's going on, yeah. because there's literally, so there's retail optometry on one side, the business is selling glasses. And then almost all of the science that I quote, is from optometry and ophthalmology clinical journals. Wow. So there's a huge irony in that the journals that the industry is supposed to be reading is specifically talking about lens-induced myopia as a huge subject, right? Like it's, it's absolutely known that the wearing of glasses causes increasing myopia. Absolutely known. But if you go to any optometrist and you say, hey, what's causing my sight to be bad? None of them will tell you this which is, it's, I mean, there's other things. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing because that is literally, I'm picking the science out of their own. I know, right? It's, so, it's not like it doesn't exist. It purely exists uh, and it's right there in your face. And yeah, nobody, so, nobody's looking and at it. And years ago, before Google Scholar got popular and I was toting around things, I didn't have a very good position because they were just, you know, they would just throw my argument away. Now that that exists, mm. they've moved on to the next argument saying you fixing it is dubious, right? So it's funny to me and it's I obvious to, to me. You, you faked your negative five. Uh, that's actually <laughs> probably documented in your eye history. Yeah. And not just me. And now there's tens of thousands of other people who share their, their improvements and share their optometrist confirmed improvements and share their quote unquote, prescriptions before and after. And yet, and now they're calling that anecdotal evidence, right? Because it's always the next argument where I'm like, it shows where those guys are coming from because they're actively trying to put aside the things that would improve our eyesight, hmm. which in my mind doesn't make any sense because they would still sell lenses, right? Because there's from the blue blocker thing to reading glasses to lots sure. of other things, but they just don't want the fact that they don't want to help people is what makes me what you call passionate. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's see. I mean, I can define it right now. It's not just passionate, but definitely frustrated, but that's all intertwined. Uh, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. And honestly, I'm with you because anytime I discover something that could clearly make our healthy lifestyle balances completely validated uh, with the research you easily found, it just drives me nuts. I mean, it's not the same subject, but uh, my client, uh, Vinny Tortorich, we, we, we crowdfunded his new documentary film about the truth behind healthy fats. Well, we, they went back 150 years and brought all the science up. We have all, it's all proved, actual clinical trials, none of this surface level BS. Like it's, and we put it all into the film. It was all right there. Somebody just had to go gather it all up like you're doing and put it in a place so everybody can at least read up on it realize that the wool's been pulled over our eyes, so to speak, and uh, we need to get to work. Yeah, and another fascinating thing is uh, people, because the, our, our community is really significant, right? There's a lot of people participating from all over the world. It's been going on for so long. I get a lot of documents, fascinating mm. stuff, where I get internal sales documents from lens manufacturers that are quoting the science but they're only doing it when they're, when they're marketing a product, right? Like they came up with a new contact lens that is supposed to slow your myopia progression. And it's using all the stuff that I talk about in the blog, but they didn't start talking about it till they managed to create a product that was 
one, very profitable, and two, they could patent. Mm. And then all of a sudden, all the stuff I talk about, then they recognize it. And one of, these, one of these happened at a prestigious university. It was a big sales conference, and I got the whole internal sales PDF. Big university, major lens manufacturers, major optometry players, all discussing the stuff that they, to my face, say doesn't happen. And what I've always said is they're not going to talk about this till they find something they can patent and sell to you. Yep. Because otherwise, what they would be doing is admitting that their product just causes more of the issue. Oh, yeah. Anytime you can come, come forth and finally be honest, but then create a spinoff financial gain from that, game on. It's like the cigarette companies, right? Like they here in the US, they pay for their own anti-cigarette smoking campaigns. I mean, but either, but what but people don't realize is that's still, that's still airtime. Like they're still able to talk about their name and what the product is. Even if they're talking it down, you're still putting it right in your face and it's right there to remind you the cigarettes still exist. So even if they're that's saying, amazing. don't do it. <laughs> that's amazing. That's right. So it's amazing. like, come on guys. Like, yeah, you're saying don't smoke, but you just paid millions of dollars for airtime to put that up there. Don't tell me you don't that's have a benefit from that. And don't tell me you don't own you know, steaks in a nicotine gum company or anti-smoking drug influence, you know, cause yeah, to your point, right? There's all kinds of spinoffs on that. Yeah, that's, it is. And that's, and now just for a little bit of, because a lot of people don't care about the eyesight and myopia because they're like, I can put on contact lenses. I can get LASIK. I don't need to take this long, complicated road. It's not long, complicated, but mm. I don't need to research other stuff. But what happens in reality is myopia affects a lot more than just your eyesight. Like when you wear glasses, you have these things on your face that create a little border around just your central vision mm -hmm. and your peripheral vision is all cut off, yeah. right? So when, when you start noticing people wear glasses, specific glasses versus people wear contact lenses or don't need glasses, their, their body posture tends to be different, right? Because they have to stay, they, they have to move the neck instead of moving the eyes because they need to stay focused on the central part of the lens. Only really? the center wow. part of the lens gives you clear vision. So, the, so literally like their neck mobility gets reprogrammed. Yeah, and, and, wow. and you don't, you don't aware, you're not aware of this till I point it out, but when you start observing people with glasses, they feel to you like socially awkward or a little bit weird. Or because they're very rigid. Of some of the, yeah. Yeah, because you're like, I can only see you if I'm looking at you through the center of these things. So I'm like a robot. I'm kind of following you, yeah. right? As opposed to moving my eyes around. And you, they tend to slouch forward because the vision is never good enough, right? Mm. So there's a there's already built-in thing of this slouchy. When you see them looking at a computer, there's definitely just problems with posture. We all have problems with posture, but more so with that. Wow. That tends to be more anxiety. And there's a lot of discussion now in science about anxiety that's potentially caused by losing your peripheral vision, especially with kids, right? Like kids start getting glasses and they get anxious. Like if you're playing sports that involve like objects flying around like balls, you can't clearly see it the way you would if you had a full field of vision and now you're anxious and scared. And now it appears to, the person appears to have a different personality than they actually have just because of that lens wear. Wow. Just touching on one particular example of a said, zillion topics. Yeah, that's just one, one of very many. Yeah, the eyesight affects you and your life in very significant ways. And those glasses that those guys sell cost, wholesale cost of a pair of quality lenses is less than $5. But they'll charge you like right. 200 once you put them in a nice pair oh, of stylish oh, yeah. frames. And it's all profit. It's mm. all profit. 
right? Like me investing in lands stock, I just, it's just, there's so much profit in it. And I can't wait till Amazon gets into that business and just wipes out retail optometry because it's so profitable. That's true. As long as you, I mean, they're, they're, nowadays Amazon's so influential. They've, uh, well, basically anything they decide to private label is called the Amazon Basics product. So from tripods to everything else, let's just start selling Amazon branded glasses at cheap wholesale pricing. So, which, which I'm hoping for because then at least this messaging will go away because they're just going to sell glasses. The problem now that I have with the retail thing is that they, they actively tell you that you have a genetic defect, right? And when kids, parents with kids, especially that really gets me upset because the real message with kids is get them away from the iPad. The iPad's yeah. not a babysitter. Instead oh, they give so five-year-old kids. Yeah. They give five-year-old kids classes. And I'm like, now that screws up the whole youth, right? Well, we just talked about like the anxiety and the social awkwardness and all that stuff will now happen. Completely doesn't need to. Yeah. Right? And that's, those are things that get to me. It's frustrating because it's because I've seen it. I don't, we don't have kids, but I have cousins. I have nieces, I have nephews. And I see the 80% of the time there's either a, a, they actually will put the, I guess, iPhone on a game mode or whatever, or they have the iPad or whatever. And, and then they hand it to the kid to shut them up. I'm like, well, that's not the way I was raised. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm not a parent. I can't speak to that, but that sounds like the easy way out. And to your point, you're doing a lot of negative health impacts while the child is still developing. Because I mean, that I do support from a fitness standpoint, health, fitness, muscular development, uh, spinal development, all of that. I mean, these kids are going to grow up with like hunchbacks because they're just hunched over the technology. And I never had that when I was yeah, a kid. It's, it's super bad. Like, I have a kid, he's four now and he's not allowed, right? Like yeah. he doesn't watch shows and stuff and it is on an iPad, but one of the first words he learned was scooch back. Scooch back. Literally. Okay. Yeah, you're not allowed to be anywhere near close that thing. So a distance where your ciliary muscle is relaxed, where seeing that image clearly requires a little tiny bit of challenge, it'll be fine, right? I'm still not letting him do it more than like half an hour at a time, like once a day or so. He gets a little bit of that because all the other kids get to watch shows and I don't want him to feel like his parents hate him. But there's none of that handing the kid the iPad and yeah. then the distance is like, you know, 10 inches. Well, I can't stand when I see it like before like a, a family dinner or something like that. Like, really? <laughs> and then you, you see the kids bringing it with them to the dinner table. And it's like, no. And then they, they get yelled at. Like, well, what do you expect? You train them to depend on the iPad or the technology or whatever. And then you yell at them about it. <laughs> it's like, what are you thinking? So, but smart, at the same time, way. yeah, and I'm, but I'm recognizing we're living in a really bizarre time. Like, as species, we're transitioning to this connected thing right right now it's a screen and elon musk is talking about implanting it in our brain but oh, we're definitely Lord. in a like transitional yeah i know we're going to be the old dudes going hey we're in our day i didn't have yeah. any of this i'm gonna be that uh oh god there was there was a good movie where uh clint eastwood played like the grouchy old man on the front porch um yeah the grouchy old man in the neighborhood like yeah when i was your age this is how we did it <laughs> but honestly like that's the sad part is i see this I see this with health and nutrition, right? Um, we, we talk heavily on this show about healthy fats and improving people's nutrition and, and, and the impacts of the pharmaceutical industry. And really this totally aligns with our pharmaceutical industry and their influence on medical care because the same thing happens with a basic MD doctor is they're being, they're being trained by these drug companies and insurance companies now to say, oh, you got 10 minutes to see that patient. 
Oh, well, and we'll even bonus you if you give them a script for, for a drug. Okay, so you, you basically are influencing a pharmaceutical band-aid form of healthcare. Well, we have not found the root cause or anything. Yeah, and that's, that's very true. Um, my parents are both MDs and they're both very different, but I, I've, I've grown up in their office basically because after school, that's what we'd hang out. Yeah. And that's literally their continuing education as pharma reps. Yeah. That's literally what it is. Yeah, that's a come in and they give them the rundown of this is what the thing does and here's the symptoms and here's the pill that they need to take and yes bonuses so many gifts Mont Blanc pens like just random stuff when yeah. I was a 12 year old kid I had like 20 of those thousand dollar pens I didn't even know what they were well that was back in the day and then the laws the laws here had to kick in here in the US and smack smack that whole industry around because of the they it was it's really inappropriate influence so now the only way to incentivize is that the drug reps will set up an educational event and buy dinner for the event and they invite multiple doctors in, but they always have a doctor doing the speaking and not them. And that's the workaround. And I'm like, you're still, they're still picking up the bill, paying for stuff. And again, back to your point, most MDs, unless they take a personal passion on the subject, they are too busy and that is their only source. And I'm not trying to blame them, but I, 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 like, to, I like to call out the positive energy towards the MDs who do take accountability for that and say, no, I need to go to actual industry educational events. I need to still keep my head in the books, become that lifelong learner. I'm, I'm guessing yeah. your parents do invest in that. And that's very difficult because having grown up in that, I completely, I understand why it is the way it is. It's like 10 minutes for a patient if you're lucky. And then all the work that happens before and after having seen that patient just dealing with insurance companies and stuff oh. it's my parents would work till nine o'clock at night every night <clears throat> wow every night because and they would stop seeing patients at whatever five o'clock or so but then all the other work that would still be going on it's that system is a mess messed yeah, up and when it comes to optometry the same thing exists there's something called seat time right it's how many minutes can i see this person sitting in that seat getting that exam yeah. for my business to stay profitable Right. Well, so they, and that's what they're trying to do. I mean, they, they, the doctors who are still independent, uh, it's funny because here in my area of the state of Pennsylvania here in the US, we, a lot of the private practices have been actually been bought up by the hospital networks. So then they basically sell their practice, the network buys it. Now you're a part of that hospital's network. And, but then, you know, you're told that you're told what to do based on the corporate standards and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then back to the eye doctor world, just like my dentist, that they're still very privatized. They are still very independent, but to your point, they're entrepreneurs. They're still trying to keep a roof over their employee's head while keeping the roof over their home head. And yeah, it's like, again, yeah, finding no, time to learn. There's no blaming them really. And so there's, there's other things like they are in a rough spot. I pick on them a lot. I pick on them sometimes just because like a common enemy is kind of helpful for the narrative. Yeah. But then I feel bad because I have good friends that are optometrists and in our Facebook group that has like 15,000 members, there's a bunch of optometrists and I always feel bad when I say things because I know they're nice guys. They're genuinely nice guys yeah. that, are, that are in the business of selling lenses, right? And now they're confronted by this whole thing. And for example, there's an optometrist friend of mine in Hong Kong who figured this out right independently from us because i'm not i didn't invent this right i just right. i just looked at the evidence that was already there he did the same thing he figured this out and he started helping parents and their kids reverse myopia a licensed optometrist in hong kong great guy wow. 
what happened is he did this for a while and his practice got pretty successful. And then some of his peers got jealous and they went to the optometry board and they said, have you heard what this guy says? He says myopia is reversible. And then the optometry board went to this guy and said, we're going to take your license away and you're never going to practice again. And you're literally telling the exact story of what happened to a doctor that actually was in my client's documentary film. His name is Dr. Gary Fecky down in Tasmania. And the health board that oversees Tasmania and Australia, uh, other doctors, a, a dietitian submitted him to the board because he was a uh, orthopedist surgeon. So his job, so he got tired of seeing diabetic patients losing feet and, and limbs because their diabetes had gotten so bad when he knew that, listen guys, cut back on your sugars and grains and your nutritional programming and, and you might be able to prevent this from happening. I might not have to cut your foot off. And he, he hated doing that. Well, he made that his new mission in his practice and, and he started getting people healthy. And then somebody basically told the, diet, the, the board that, well, hey, you've got a doctor down here trying to talk nutrition. And that's not what they're trained to talk about. So that goes against the standards. So they, they literally, they did take his license away. And now uh, this past year, after all, his wife made a huge online campaign, his fans, his followers, a lot of people came behind him. And then this past year, uh, they came back and reversed uh, their, their decision and gave him his license back and he's back practicing. But it's been many years of his struggle dealing with that. Yeah. So it goes back to your and point. There's a lot of power here, man. There's a lot of power. And again, it's understandable because they're trying to enforce a standard that they believe is the right standard. And we need order rather than chaos right yeah. and these things move slowly like i understand the counterpoint i'm not a i'm not a conspiracy theorist guy i get why this is happening oh yeah let's be clear we are not talking conspiracy theory this is all valid truthful data right now <laughs> right and that's and so but i think the tide needs to turn and the cool thing in like diabetes and a lot of other health things is there is a conversation already mm. and with myopia for whatever reason i really don't like to be the guy like, I wish there was a lot more of this conversation already happening. And I'm really trying to push in that direction that yeah. it, it's not so fringe because it's still something that so many people go, I've never heard of this. Right. But you've heard about heart disease and stuff like yeah. a lot on a lot of other health fronts. We're way further ahead than on ISAC. Well, I, I'm actually now I got to make sure that you're connected up to the blind blogger, uh, Max, Max Ivy. Have you ever been on his podcast? I don't think so. No. He's got a major, major reach in the visually impaired community. And, uh, and he launched his own podcast now too, but his blog is, is very well ranked. And uh, I, I'd like to see you guys get connected for your message as well, because not everybody, he made a very good point. He's been on my show a couple of times. Like not everybody in that community is fully blind. They're visually impaired. They're not completely blind. Some could be to the point where they're obviously legally allowed to be called blind, but they can still see. Right. There's all these different levels of, of uh, visual impairment. Yeah. And to about. that point, I used to not even do podcasts because I'm a huge introvert and I'm not really like <laughs> talking to people. But then this year, Google started their whole YMYL, your money, your life initiative yep. of, of, of just blocking alternative health related sites. And they murdered our site. Wow. And that like a lot of my, my process here is fueled by frustration. And, but that caused me frustration. I was like, wow, they're really, they're censoring like valid science and discussion. And yeah, I'm crazy. not saying, right. I'm not saying we're right and they're wrong. I'm saying let's have a conversation. Right. And now I'm getting more, even more involved because the censorship stuff's happening. This is wild. 
By the so, way, the, the optometrist got to keep his license, the Hong Kong one, ultimately. Oh, but only if he, yeah, he, they made him promise to never talk about myopia reversal again. Wait, hold on. So he proved that a, a few patients he was able to actually help based on what we're talking about today. And they basically said, well, just because they worked, you still have to stop. They said, these are the standards of practice, and this is what you have to follow. And if you ever talk about this again, then for real, no license. But to your point, it's all public documented data in their medical journals. Oh, it's, it's amazing. There so is this so he's, he's actually following his education. It's like, what? Yeah. It's, and, and again, like I said, like if, if there was a little bit more awareness, because my only goal is to say, if you go to the optometrist, you realize you're making a choice. Like you're going to McDonald's, you're making a choice. Oh, right? yeah. Like, you know, own, your, own, your, own, your own your decisions, own your decisions. Yeah. And if you want to wear glasses, if you're like, I'm addicted to my screen, I love my screen. I don't care about my distance vision by all means. But right now there isn't this, right? Like on the cigarette box, it says, this is not good for you. Yeah. Right. Like if, if on the glasses, warning. Yeah. right. Yeah. If on the glasses, it said just something like, Hey, you know, this may cause more myopia according to clinical science. I'd already be happy. It's just right now. The narrative is you're genetically broken. Shut up. This thing costs $300 because it's a prescription, even though I only paid five bucks for it. And you're going to have this for life. Like that's the part where I'm like, okay, that's not right. That's how I spent my youth. I didn't need to. If somebody would have told me that back then, I would have put books down, right? I would have spent more time outside. I would have practiced challenging my eyesight and I would have had a totally different experience than I did. Well, let, let's, let's dig into a little more of that because we got about 10 minutes to, left to our slot. And I want to make sure we got, uh, obviously, I'm guessing you got some, some powerful tips for us, but lessons learned from what you learned since your youth on how to reverse yourself back to 2020. So clearly, did this all come out of that same research or did you discover this through your own self-practice? Uh, I discovered most of it from my own self-practice. And this is where things kind of, the path separate. Um, okay. The, what causes myopia is completely well-known. And the fact that the treatment contributes a lot to it is completely well-known. Like okay. that's not an argument, even though it still is today. My approach to reversing it is entirely left field stuff. There is a fair bit of evidence of why it's working. Like your eyeball elongates as your myopia gets worse. And the reason that happens is when you put the lens in front of your eye, that the eyeball has a mechanism built in to adjust its length to give you great vision because it's a Are we talking ball. about stigmatism? No, it's the whole eyeball. The oh. eyeball's length adjusts. Because I know about that whole narrowing and that football effect, you know, and that's what made me think of astigmatism because I, I, I yeah. never had one and then I developed one. And I'm like, huh, wonder why I'm developing this. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's part of it. Like when the eyeball elongates, you start developing other issues like astigmatism. Mm. But mainly the eyeball elongating is it's adjusting. And it can also shorten, like the ball elongates and shortens to give you, so the light focuses correctly on the retina throughout your life, right? Okay. And biologically, we're always slightly adjusting and the eyeball has a really interesting mechanism that allows it to continue adjusting. Now, when you put that minus lens in front of the eye, you're moving the light back further in the eye. I'm, I'm shortening this a lot. Sure. But basically, you're, you're telling this eye's mechanism that it's too short and now it starts to elongate because of the lens in front of it, right? Oh. So the thing that's fixing your eyesight temporarily is causing more myopia in a perfectly healthy eye that's adjusting to 
what it perceives as it's the wrong size. So basically it, the glasses are teaching a negative impact on what your refractive state should be. Am I saying that right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And the eye is completely fine. Like it's not broken. You don't have an illness. You don't have a condition. The eye is just going, wow, I'm too short based on that stimulus. Hmm. Now, axial elongation, also not a debate. What I'm saying is the eyeball will also shorten if you reverse that stimulus. So if you start wearing glasses that are slightly less strong than you need, just slightly, like instead of seeing 20-20, you'll see 20-30 and you'll challenge your eyesight a little bit, right? That the eyeball will eventually shorten because it works the same exact way when it elongates. Now there is some clinical science that supports that the eyeball adjusts in both directions. But the way we are doing this, that's when it becomes like a thing where we don't have a clinical study. Right. We don't have 100 people in a room measuring the axial length this year, next year, the year after. I don't have the funds well, for Well, you it. probably have a whole lot of N1 experiments like yourself, right? A ton, a ton. Yeah. I'm, we're talking tens of thousands. Well, and I have their data of their improvement reports, right? Like we, we have a structured program where everybody follows the same steps and then they input voluntarily, of course, all the data where they started out with classes, how much time they spend in front of screens, how far they can see clearly. And I have a ton of that data. It was validated by researchers as mechanistic data that we can use for our study in the future. I haven't made it to that point because I'm still here at step one where people yeah. aren't even aware of what's going on. So are, are they submitting it through, because I noticed that your nmyopia.org site has like a student login. Is, is that yeah. like happening in the back end of that site and you're gathering the data there? Correct. And that's okay. a small subgroup. Like 99% of people are just using the, the front end stuff here that is yeah. generally available. Most of the improvement reports that you're finding like in the Facebook group and on the site are just from people just using the stuff without following these steps but a subgroup is, and that allows me to collect this data. But still, as where we're standing today, I'm completely conceding if somebody says you don't have the clinical evidence that your approach is effective, I would say that that's true. Okay, and, and, and thank you for that honesty and transparency. I think nowadays it's important to be in the forefront of that and say, listen guys, it's not officially clinical, but here's all my data. So you make your own decision. I'm just trying to help share some information here. And sometimes that's how I have to start. Uh, I know a lot of people who have done that with, uh, again, back to nutrition and everything else. Like sometimes like, hey, fine. It's not clinical, but I have, oh, thousands of proven N1 experiments that worked. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and the, the, the thing is, and what I recognize is I have limited resources, especially time to be doing this. So sure. the question is, do I do podcasts? Where do I get uh, study published? Right. And that we've gone down that road and that it turns out like you need to have an author that's been peer reviewed in the past to get through the process. And there's a wink, wink. You need to spend money, obviously, to getting these things. And the ultimate result will be a few people who are picking on me about where is the study will then shut up and find the next thing to pick on me about. Right. But the 99.9% of people who aren't even aware of myopia are not going to be impacted. So I'm my main focus is the awareness building. And when we get to the point, hopefully, when enough people question my credibility because of a study, then I'm totally happy to also do this. I, I think you're on the right path. Um, I think, obviously, if I didn't believe in the power of podcasting, I wouldn't have launched my own show. So, I, because again, you got hundreds of thousands of listeners there, and then you get on more and more shows. So, you have to play that law of averages. And that's the beauty of podcasting. This is free content. You're not paying me to come on this show. 
I'm not paying you to come on the show at all. I'm like, listen, we're just, it's a mutual agreement. Like let's get a positive message out there. Let's get some people educated. So, so what, what are some of your big tips? What, what do you got for us here? Well, what's some, what's Number some of your one. Big, big hot ones? So. The biggest thing that causes your eyes to get worse is wearing your distance glasses when you're looking at a screen. Huh? So it's called hyperopic to focus. If you go to Google Scholar, the thing that causes your eyeball to elongate, yeah. the stimulus is hyperopic to focus, which is when the light hits behind the retina. Okay. So the glasses that you're wearing are meant to correct distance vision, not close up. You can see fine when you take them off, as long as they're not very strong glasses. If you always take off your glasses for screen time, your eyesight's not really going to get worse. Interesting. So basically, one of your biggest tips is people are just forgetful and leaving the glasses on, not taking them off. Yeah. And now if you have higher wow. myopia, that's, that's crazy. That no long <laughs> yeah, I know. But if you have higher adopter myopia, like if you take your glasses off and you can't see your screen clearly, then that's no longer the case. All right then gets one step more effort. You're going to have to buy glasses at a lower correction that only correct you to the distance of your screen. You know, so when I was wearing contact lenses, I was basically doing what you're saying because I couldn't see far away. I had no problem seeing up close up front. I could read everything fine. But when I was wearing contacts, I didn't have the option. Of, I would wait until the end of the night to take them out to go to sleep. I didn't take them off when I was at home on my computer or whatever. I was just leaving them in all the time. And then I got those new soft lens technology and I got ones you can eventually sleep in, which I never really did enjoy. But there you go. I, I, can't, I can't unplug those if they're in all day long. Yeah. So that's, that's the biggest, that's the number one thing. Your eyes are not going to get worse. If you just started wearing glasses and you take those things off and you don't need them, your eyes mm -hmm. won't get worse. Contact lenses, if you go to Google Scholar, corneal thinning. If you type in corneal thinning contact lenses, you're going to stop wearing contact lenses all the time. Because your cornea at the front of your eye eventually gets thinner from ongoing long-term contact lens use and according to studies that that thinning doesn't reverse and you what do not want again? corneal thinning thinning yeah yeah you don't want that long term like that's that's me painting a little bit of a scare tactic to get you to be more conscious about your eyesight sure but there's certainly a price for long-term contact lens wear. okay well that's interesting because i remember talking about corneal thickness they, would t they tested that to see if I was even eligible to get LASIK so they had enough material to work with, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and if you wear contact lenses long enough, not for everybody, not in all cases, but there's certainly a trend that contact lenses cause your cornea to get thinner. Hmm. Oh, it creates a dependency. Yeah. All of these things are connected, right? And they all yeah. boil back down to the less you're dependent on artificial focal planes, the better off you are. Okay. So just building that awareness of you go into that, that shop, that shop needs to make money. They give you five minutes seat time. They need to make X amount of profit. They will sell you glasses and those glasses will make your eyesight worse. Well, and again, I like the point on taking the breaks. You said that earlier in the show. It wasn't just, hey, you forgot you left your you know, glasses on. You don't need them when you're up close. But also something as simple as, again, we very forgetful. We're very, we're very, we just take everything for granted. So do I even need to put the glasses even on uh, for what? I'm about to go do. I don't know. I mean, there, there's that subject too. So you're saying put, put some, I hate to say exercise because we're not talking about exercise, but you know, make your eyes do what they're supposed to do. Don't, don't be using the glasses. You don't need them. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times like people will never wear glasses. Like if your vision's not perfect and your vision's not always perfect, like depending on lighting conditions and diet and sleep, you have this awareness that you can make your vision slightly clearer. Like you can challenge your eyesight 
something's a little bit blurry, you can clear it up, mm. which is something that we lose when we wear strong glasses all the time. Right? Okay. And that awareness, along with like slightly lower correction glasses, over a period of time, appears to very efficiently reverse myopia. Over the last two decades, like I'm putting together what's the average improvement rate, very commonly is just under one diopter a year. So yeah. like that's four steps, four reductions that the average person can make in a year. If they're just, they're still their computer job, but they're practicing some better habits, they're challenging the eyesight, they're not wearing the strongest possible glasses. Myopia reversal tends to be kind of almost very minimal effort once you figured it out. I mean, now, I mean, it's interesting how you went four steps in one year. Was that, a, was that roughly your timeline as well? <clears throat> no, that would have been nice, but there was no, <laughs> there was no, there was no precedent. So I didn't even know that it was possible. Like okay. I just bought lower correction glasses. Once I read all the biology and I figured out how the thing works, I thought, well, let's see if it works in the opposite direction. But I made tons of mistakes. The glasses I bought were too weak. Uh, I was at minus five. I bought minus three. So the, you know, that's a mess too much too soon. Yeah. Right. And then I went on a Laos trip with those glasses, right? Like unfamiliar environment. I really needed more correction. It was a horrible experience. Wow. There's no optic shops where I was going. So I was just stuck in places. Couldn't read the, I didn't know what a hotel, where a hotel was. Cause I couldn't read the signs. I couldn't see the signs. I, it, it was a long journey for me to figure out how do you take the theory of the stimulus into a, a, a working scenario in practice. Well, obviously, you got a lot of resources on your site and myopia.org. Uh, but, but before we, we start closing the show out, what is one of the biggest things that you actually did do then? I mean, obviously, it sounds like you went through a lot of steps and a lot of failures, uh, which is good because this is just like a, a successful entrepreneurial story, right? Like, I want to talk to people who made all the mistakes because they're going to send you on the right path, not down where you, you went already. Um, like, what was one of the biggest ones you learned along that path? It was like, oh, my God, that probably made some of the biggest impact. So two things is like I only wearing the glasses you need for the given distance. So right. if I'm looking at my computer screen, I wear a lower correction pair of glasses. And for distance vision, I never wear something that's stronger than 2030 or so. Okay. Because that gives me an opportunity for a challenge. There's a, a, a car license plate across the street. It's a little bit blurry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's something that then I can clear up and I can challenge myself. I like that. That's pretty cool. I never thought about it that way. Again, yeah, just, they just put their glasses on. It's just, that's it. They just throw them on. Don't think. At 2030 and, and for uh, a lot of licensing, like car licenses, a pilot's license is 2040 in a lot of places is a requirement. Hmm. So legally, you can wear 2030 in a lot of circumstances. It's still considered adequate vision, but it gives you a little bit of challenge because it's not perfectly correcting you to that what you said, that fighter pilot level. Yeah. And just introducing the challenge and introducing the awareness of some of my eyesight I got to work for, I got to challenge a little bit. Those two things, like not wearing full correction glasses for close-up and not wearing fighter pilot glasses for distance goes a long way towards reducing myopia. Wow. I love this. This is good. See, I get little hacks every so often throughout life. I just take my vision for granted too. So I was like, because uh, I don't I mean, honestly, like even when I wear these blue blocker glasses, I'm technically narrowing my field of vision. Now, granted, I only wear them if I happen to be doing an evening computer session like we're doing tonight, and then I'll take them off and I'm good. I don't wear, I don't, I notice people nowadays are buying glasses with clear lenses with no prescription just to wear glasses because they, all of a sudden, it's the studious look or something is in. And 
one of the things I learned tonight is that actually can negatively impact you because you're narrowing that field of vision for your eye and, and you're just trying to do it for fashion. <laughs> yeah. We're a funny species. We are. That's crazy. Well, listen, I've had a blast tonight, Jake, and I want to make sure we have everything linked in the show notes like we always do here. And uh, by the way, would you like me to get you connected out to the, to Max's team and see this? That would be awesome. Together? Yeah. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I think his community, his, he's got a very loyal following. A lot of, I've had a few people he sent me on this show too, and your messages align so powerfully. So I'll definitely, I'll get that intro sent over for both of you guys. It's one of my goals uh, over the past years. Every time I get a new guest co-host on now, I'm like, how can I get them connected to maybe the next person that can maybe connect them better than we even I did. So um, that'll be done, committed to. Now, what I ask my guest co-host is to help close the show out. And I think we're pretty clear on what your message is, but I'd like to help reiterate again. Like, what are some final words you want to leave behind for the audience? Like an all-encompassing message behind your mission. On, without realizing it at the time or without even being aware of it till somewhat recently, <clears throat> this pursuit of improving my eyesight has changed my life subtly, but kind of dramatically in the long term. Like last month, we spent a month kite surfing in Vietnam. Wow. And that's something I would have never thought that I'd be doing because over the years with glasses, I started believing that I'm clumsy and that I'm not really that athletic and, and just a fear. I developed kind of a fear of things and excuses for, I, I, I lived in Nepal for a while paragliding. Mm. Um, now I'm really into kite surfing and I'm enjoying aspects of like a physical connection to life yeah. that for so many years I didn't have. And it all is because I was in this long-term pursuit of challenging my eyesight. And it sounds silly because it was a nerdy thing. Like I wasn't trying to like have a more interesting life. I was just like, I need to do things that challenge my eyesight, which led me to do these crazy things that now as I'm looking at it are really a defining part of my life. Like I'm doing awesome stuff because I'm enjoying my eyesight. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm glad you actually closed on that subject because you, you reminded me, like I take that for granted because I am the self-imposed adrenaline junkie and I go skydiving and I, I just had a heli skiing uh, for our wedding in, back in March this year. And these are all adventures that, yes, I continue to increase and add to my life story. I love sharing, but I also take those for granted. You know, I, I have the vision that does allow me to do these things. And there's a lot of people that could also be taking advantage of this, like yourself, just by, just by correcting the vision and learning, learning from what, what you've learned. Absolutely. It's a big, it's a potential big long-term benefit. Yeah. I love it. This is a great message. Well, listen, hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye off the air. Jake, thank you again for your time. Ladies and gentlemen, men and sorry, end myopia.org. Check it out. We screen shared it a couple of times during the show for the YouTube watchers. Everything will be linked in the notes as always. Uh, but again, ladies and gentlemen, I think, uh, I definitely took my vision for granted. He just reminded me of some important tips and I'm definitely gonna be sharing it to some friends and family because that's the power of podcasting is uh, what's the point of learning the information if you're not sharing it. So please share ladies and gentlemen. So again, thanks for tuning in. Remember we're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. Jake and nmyopia.org helped us do it today. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, you too can live the fuel. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com. Live the Fuel.